your hair flung around like you had a toupee on. How do you know I don't have a toupee on? I don't know. That's right. But now I think it. Well, I'm just, I want to move it to the right spot so when you write the show notes, you'll remember. <coughs> I remember everything, Rob. I'm like an elephant. I'll show you an elephant. Oh! How do you think Arnold Schwarzenegger would say boom? Boom! <laughs> had its duration. Duration. Duration? Doritos. Dorito shins. Doritos. I love Doritos. <laughs> the Dorito spell. You ever have Cool Ranch? That's good. <laughs> Welcome to Cast Royale, the Clash Royale podcast for casual players. I'm Rob. And I'm Joe. And this week, we discuss the big game update, including balance changes and clan wars and more. Boom. Boom. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Stitcher, CLNSmedia.com, or wherever you get your podcasts, we hope you enjoy the show. Episode 61, baby, let's go. We are on our way up to 100. It's going to be a while, but I think eventually we'll get there. We are rocking and rolling, moving and grooving, hipping and hopping, high flying, limousine riding. (laughs) Some might say all of those things, but we are not quite yet at 100. (laughs) I think, honestly, I think only you would say some of those things. Well, I'm right. You know I'm right. You feel it. You feel it deep down in the in the in the deep Joe. In the, I feel it right in the in the boom zone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so we have way too much stuff to talk about. So can we please just dive right in? Let's do it. So how was your week in the arena? Actually, pretty good. So I'm currently sitting at forty six hundred and fifty trophies. I've been using the Mortar Mauler. I'm still working on getting my Expo deck ladder ready. Um, I'm almost there. My, my Fireball is going to be level 10 tonight, actually. And then I just need my Expo to be level 7. And I can take that bad boy into the ladder. But I don't know, man. Like, I feel like this week, I've just been, like, I've been playing ladder just to play it to, like, pass time. But ultimately, all I could think about is when is the update going to come out, and what is it going to be like? You and millions of other players. So true, man. Like, I, I, I didn't even care that much if I won or lost this week. I wound up kind of, like, staying stagnant. Like, I didn't increase too much. I didn't decrease too much. I kind of just, like, stayed where I kind of hover, right? Right. Um, but I was totally fine with that because I was just anticipating Clash Royale's big game update, and I was following them on Twitter. I know you were, too. And literally every hour I was like refreshing my page to see if they if they said anything about the update. Well, yeah, I mean, we'll definitely get into the update because that's clearly going to be the crux of this episode. Right. Um, But I feel you, man. I feel like this week I've also just been kind of playing ladder to kind of pass the time. And I don't necessarily know if that's a bad thing. Yeah, do not. Honestly, I couldn't agree more. Right. Like at the end of the day, it is very frustrating to play ladder all the time and feel like it's a grind, right? It's so nice sometimes to just be able to take a step back, look forward to something else, and just use the ladder to just casually pass the time. 
maybe getting frustrated a little bit if you lose a game like that was hard fought and you should have won it or you made a mistake, but mm-hmm. ultimately not really caring that much about you know what you just did and that and you lo- you got three crowned, right? It adds a new element to the game, something to look forward to, and this week was tremendous. I know. And you want to know what else was tremendous? Tell me. I unlocked the barbarian barrel. Dude, so did I, and I was so happy. We'll talk about it in a little bit. But the balance changes came out, and I, I couldn't believe that the one card that we got finally got buffed. And it was just like, eh, maybe it was good to wait a little while. Yeah, maybe. Um, so I'm currently hovering around 4,500 trophies, which I really can't complain about. I wish I was a little bit higher, uh, closer to 46, but I'll take 45. As long as I'm not dropping down below, you know, the 43 mark. That's where I kind of I kind of want to pull the cord a little bit. Uh, but... Last time, I think I mentioned that I was working on maxing out my arrows. Well, I maxed them out. Well, <laughs> that's awesome, dude. Yeah. Um, and now I'm currently working on my rocket. I am like so far away from getting that done. I think I have like less than 300. Dude, that is like the ultimate grind. Yeah, but what level is it now? Nine. Oh, you've got a long ways to go. Yeah, I got a, I got a while. And, you know, every once in a while, some rockets will show up in the shop. I just don't ever feel like I, I'll always buy them, right? Unless they're like 250 gems, which I'm not laying out money for. But for, for gold, I'll obviously buy them as long as I have enough gold to do so. Um, but I've just been finding that every time I get like stacks of rares, they don't really give me a lot. <laughs> so I don't really know how much that helps in the long run. But I guess, you know, it avoids having to request three times, so maybe that's enough. Yeah, I mean, like you said, right, it's not about the purchase right now, but over time, the little bit adds up to be a lot, right? So the three times that you just saved now is a full day of activity of requesting. So if you do that three different times, that's three full days of not requesting, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's like a long weekend. It is like a long weekend, Rob. (laughs) It's almost like you had a holiday on Friday, and... You don't have to go back to work until Monday. Or it's like you're off on Monday and you don't have to go back until Tuesday, which I personally prefer a lot more because then the following week is shorter. No, I agree with that actually, too, because the (laughs) Friday before the holiday, it's Friday. Like nobody really works that hard on Friday anyway. So you're basically getting the Friday before the Monday off and then a four day week. What up? Exactly. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that was my week in the arena. It sounds like we both had a good time waiting for the update patiently uh, on more than one occasion, unfortunately. Uh, But we'll get into that later. We do, however, want to start the show with a segment that hasn't been around in quite a while. So, Joe, you know what time it is? Oh, I know what time it is. I've been waiting for this time for the past, like, two months. It's time for Boom It or Move It! Boom It or Move It! And this week, I think it was fairly obvious, we are going to go through all of the balance changes and say whether we like it, so we boom it, or whether we don't like it, and we move it. And then we explain why. All right, man, so do you want to go first, or you want me to go first? Uh, I want to take the first one. All right, you ready? I'm ready. First up, Supercell released their update on the 25th Instead of April 24th, boom it or move it. Boom. Yeah? Solid boom. 100% boom. That was emphasized without the least bit of hesitation. I didn't have to hesitate at all. I felt it in my in my deeper rub. It's, it's a gut feeling, you know? 
I just feel like I'm the type of person that would much rather them delay something to get it right. I mean, the reason why they missed it to begin with is because they found some critical bug somewhere under the carpet of the game. And I think that it's really important for such a big release to have all of the care in the world given to it. So honestly, I, I would always rather wait for software that's good rather than get software rushed out the door and then have millions of people frustrated, including myself. And I know I would have been. So I, I praise them 100% for making that decision. And I know it was probably very difficult to do that. I'm glad that you just mentioned that because I was just going to say that. That decision, I think people take for granted, right? That is not an easy pill to swallow if you're Supercell. Um, you know, the developers and the community manager, at the end of the day, it's that is not an easy pill to swallow. You've been gearing up this update for a long time now. People were super antsy for it. You issued the date and then boom. And in that moment, you have to decide what's more important, releasing it on the day you said you were going to or waiting one more day, making sure it's appropriately being released without bugs mm -hmm. and getting it out the next day. And keep in mind, like I saw so much hate on Twitter and everywhere else about how people were just fed up with that. But dude, you know what's so funny? Those same people would have been so mad if that critical bug happened to them. Let's pretend that that was the drag glitch. You know, maybe it's fixed now. Maybe that critical bug was that the drag glitch came back. Imagine if they released it and then those people who were complaining about it being delayed today would have been complaining about the fact that there was a, a critical bug in, in the in the application. And um, to me, it was the right move. It was a tough pill to swallow on their side. And um, ultimately, I think it was, the, it, it was the right move. It was. And I agree that it was tough. If you think about it, they also had Apple involved, right? Like they did a huge spread on the App Store. Do you know how much that must have stunk for them to be like, oh, we have to we have to delay something that was just featured on the App Store. Like that's that's a even bigger pill to swallow in my eyes. But, you know, different perspectives. Um, I think the important thing here is that as soon as they figured it out, they were open, transparent, and communicated it immediately. And I think that that is what kept everybody engaged. And I think, like you said, there was definitely a lot of hate, but I think for the people that are like, or the groups of people that are what I would refer to as pillars of the community, we were all kind of cheering for them, right? Because we knew that they got it. Totally agree, man. They were transparent and that was the right move. That's right. A for effort. Um, so number two, you ready? Oh, I'm ready. On to the actual balance changes. The Dark Prince had his shield hit points decreased by 25%. Boom it or move it. I'm going to boom this one, man. Yeah? Yeah. I think, I think previously the Dark Prince buff made it just way too overused. But it wasn't just overused. It was also kind of overpowered. The hit speed increase that it got previously just allowed it to have so much damage per second. And the fact that it can't be taken out in one shot by pretty much obviously anything because it has this shield just adds a whole nother element of how do I kill this card, right? Right. And I think the cool thing about this change is that people don't really understand the impact. 25% um, is a lot, <laughs> right? And mm -hmm. it causes so many more troops to be able to kill that shield or knock it off within one hit instead of two hits or two hits instead of three hits. And that's a huge difference. Um, you know, you talk about an extra swing of say, you know, a P.E.K.K.A. or, I mean, not in this instance, but at the end of the day, one extra hit is sometimes 1.5 seconds. 
and a lot can happen <laughs> in 1.5 seconds if you know anything about Clash Royale. So um, I thought this was the right move. Not too much, just enough to make it um, balanced. And that's what we're looking for. Exactly. No, I, I, I completely agree with everything you said. All right, next up, the Spear Goblins, which also impacts the Goblin Gang, the regular Spear Goblins, and the Spear Goblins that come out of the Goblin Hut. They had their hit speed increased from 1.1 second to 1.2 seconds, so they now attack a little bit slower. Boom it or move it. So I think I'm going to boom this one. Okay. So... Personally, I think that this change really was meant for the Goblin Gang and the Goblin Hut, but because, obviously, the Spear Goblins all contain Spear Goblins as a unit, I think they had to change the Spear Goblins by proxy just to kind of make them all the same, right? They always have to be the same. But I do think that these cards, when they're in the arena, they are very difficult to deal with. I mean, just take the Goblin Hut, for example. Dude, when that thing just starts spitting out goblins and then when you throw a tank in front of that, after a while, that's going to build up and almost every time, a Spear Goblin is going to get at least one hit on your tower. Unless you have something deliberately distracting that card and blocking the Spear Goblin from hitting the tower. So I think giving it a little bit of a nerf to slow its hit speed, I think it's, it's a good option. So... I would agree with you, but I do think that the main reason for this was the Spear Goblins. Um, I, I think that at the end of the day, these cards were used by pro players. I don't know if you you've seen this deck, but it's like that. It's that deck with the with the mortar, and it's like a spell bait deck. It's got the minion horde. It's got the Spear Goblins. It's got the Goblin Gang. I th I think I know what you're talking about. That deck appears so much at the top of the ladder, and. The thing about the Spear Goblins that people don't realize is, yeah, it's only three little Spear Goblins and they're two costs, but that's a cycle card, and if you know how to play them and you're a pro and you're clearly really good at true placement and mind games and just understanding your opponent's cycle, they can be very, very effective. Um, so I think this is a, a good move for multiple reasons. Couldn't agree more. Um, so the Barbarian Barrel had a buff to its range from 6.5 tiles to 7 tiles. So now it goes a little bit further. Boom it or move it. So I think I'm going to boom this one, although I haven't really seen it used too much since it's been quote-unquote balanced, right? I think this card was clearly underpowered. I think that mm -hmm. was obvious, right? It needed something. It, it, it did lack a little bit of range. You know, 0.5 tiles doesn't seem like a lot, but sure, you know, it allows the, the Barbarian to get a little bit closer to the tower, um, so it doesn't have to travel as far in order to deal damage to it, um, which is pretty cool. I just don't know if it's enough for this card. I, I, I do think that we are going to see this card buffed again in the future, not mm -hmm. by a lot. I don't think it needs a drastic change but I think it needs a few of these little tweaks in order to really allow it to find its place in the arena. And, you know, I hope that this does that, but I just think it's just falling short a little bit. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I would actually say that my opinion would be to move this version of the changes, um, mainly because of what you just said, that I don't think that it's enough. I don't disagree that this isn't a good change, because I do think that it is a good change. I just think that other things need to happen for the card. Um, I do like that they explained that if a tower is down, now with the buff, it can reach the king tower, which provides better opportunity to secure a three crown. 
So that kind of changes the way that you would play him a little bit, or it, I should say, right? But yeah, I mean, boom it and move it, but we still like the change. So go figure. Agreed. All right, next one, you ready? I'm ready. I am so ready for this one. I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The knight had his hit points increased by 3%. Boom it or move it. Boom, boom, boo, boo, boom. Tell me why. Do I really, uh, honestly, do I re- do I really need to explain why? I don't, I mean, I don't need <laughs> you to explain why, but our lovely listeners might care. <laughs> That's true. Well, obviously, Joe and I love to play the knight. The knight is one of the most versatile cards in the game. It's so strong. It's so tanky. But the last time they touched this card, they kind of hurt him a little bit. And it wasn't really fair to our friend the knight. So now, to have him have a nice buff, even though it's 3%, it... Gives him a good kit without making him seem overpowered. And I think that's perfect for a card that's supposed to be one of the most, in my opinion, balanced cards in the game. Yeah, well, this is like, this is, this is the, like an icon for the game, right? It's like the king and the knight. (laughs) And the prince. It's those three dudes. Yeah, no, I I couldn't agree more. And And I think without this buff, you know, it's not a lot, but it's just enough, like you said. But without this buff... What was the point of using the knight when you could have just used the ice golem? Um, but now the difference in health is a little bit more, and it's just enough to make him be able to be used. And I think you're going to see that really show itself in the meta over the next coming weeks. Right. So are you ready for the next one? Oh, I'm ready. Okay. The dark goblin had his damage increased by 3%. Boom it or move it. So I think I'm going to boom this one too, man. Ooh. I think that the Dark Goblin was obviously a really good card. And if he could sit back and just, you know, shoot bubblegum pellets at people for, you know, seemingly ever, <laughs> he would do so much damage. He's the ultimate DPS unit. The problem with this little dude is that he dies to arrows, which is an even trade, and he dies to the log, which is a negative elixir trade. And because of that, for that one simple fact that he dies to the log, You get a negative elixir trade when you use him, and there is an overabundance of logs out there. It's not like, you know, we're not in a a meta that uses logs. People use it. And he would get killed before he could provide the value that he needed in order to make an impact on the map. What this 3% change does is it allows him to two-shot minions. So if there's three minions in the air, this guy attacks every 0.65 seconds. So basically, every 1.3 seconds, one of those minions die. So by the time you place him down and your opponent realizes that he's down and tries to log it, he's going to kill all three of those, as opposed to requiring nine total shots to kill him, he'll only need six, which is a huge difference. I agree. Um, I actually really like this change because I really like this card. I don't use him very often just because I'm kind of stuck with my ladder deck with the Mortar Mauler, but... Dude, every time I see this card come out on the field, I'm always paying attention to where he goes because he's so fast. He just runs across the map and he hits so quick. Like you said, 0.65 seconds. That's crazy. It is crazy. And the the biggest problem with this card, man, is if you don't kill him, you're dead. Yes, 100%. Everything that you have gets melted if you just let him sit there and shoot little darts at people. That's because he's got those jungle instincts, man. Jungle instincts. I like it. It's good, I think. I wish I had some jungle instincts. Jungle Joe. Jungle Joe, imagine. Do you like Jungle Joe or Joey Deluxe? I like both, but I think they're two very different personas, and I think maybe we should exploit the Jungle Joe 
every every once in a while, maybe. All right, I've got to think of something. We got to we got to figure out what he would do. <laughs> All right, man, you ready for the next one? I'm ready. All right, this one's big. This one's real, real big. Okay. The ice spirit. His area damage was reduced by four percent, and freeze duration was reduced from 1.5 seconds to one second. A 33% nerf. Boom it or move it. So I actually think that this might be the first time in history that we can do this because of the way that this balance happened. Can I do both? Can I boom it and move it? I mean, you can do whatever you want, but I disagree. <laughs> okay, you can disagree. That's fine. That's that's Jungle Joe over here. So I would boom the area damage change, but move the freeze duration change. Okay. Personally, I think that the whole point of this card is to control things. And I do agree that it does a lot for one elixir, right? Um, I, I like the fact that they're toning down his area damage because it's not supposed to do a ton of damage. That's not the point of the card. But I do feel like that 0.5 seconds, even though it may not seem like a lot, it's one third of the time that it used to do. So personally, this uh, impacts me big time because now I'm working with a Mortar Mauler again that was uh, nerfed a little bit more. Yeah, no, I, I understand what you're saying. Although, you know, I've always said that the Ice Spirit, I don't know if people realize this, but the Ice Spirit at one elixir does more damage per elixir mm -hmm. to towers than the rocket does. If you multiplied the damage that an ice spirit does by six and compared that to the damage that the rocket does for six elixir to a tower, the rocket is less. It's crazy. So I think people really underestimate just how much damage value the ice spirit can give at just one elixir, having cycle ability and having the ability to control like you said, right? I don't think that a 33% nerf was necessary, although I understand why they did it. I do wish that it would have been from 1.5 to 1.25, but you know, I can't disagree overall with the change. I thought it was good, but I, it's just so drastic. This is such a big change to such a small little dude. Yeah. And they, they kind of make it like they're just toning him down a little bit, like a notch. And I, I mean, yeah, if you look at it from just the 0.5 seconds perspective, sure. But like, no, man, 1.5 to one. That's a, that's a big hit. It's a hefty little cliff that thing just fell off. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Time will tell, I guess, like everything else in this game. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, maybe, maybe because it's losing so much value, you may see Larry come back to the arena. Ooh, I would love to see Larry come back. That'd be awesome. So, you know, who knows what they had in mind? You know, they only give us a little snippet of what they, you know, were thinking when they came up with the balance change. So we'll see. So speaking of Larry, this next change is actually to the skeleton barrel. And it looks like they brought Larry back to the count of the skeleton barrel. So it went from six to seven, because I think Larry joined the party. Boom it or move it. So I'm gonna boom this one. I think when they reduced it from eight to six, we said that we wouldn't be surprised in the future if they made it seven at, you know, ultimately, right? Yep. And that's what they're doing. Creating a 25% nerf previously to how many skeletons were in the barrel was a lot. That's really hefty. Yeah. And it made the, the card unusable. So, you know, hopefully with this one extra skeleton, you know, people might think like, oh, it's just one little skeleton. Um, but one little skeleton 
can pack a really big punch when he's literally airmailed on top of your tower. Right. And you may or may not have what you need to kill it. So um, it can make all the difference in a game. It's just situational. And so we'll see what happens with this card. Yeah, uh, honestly, I can't wait. I actually like the Skeleton Barrel more and more every time I see it played. Um, and I think that they take different routes when they choose how to balance a card. And I think like this, for this one, we spoke about how they kind of did an extreme, right? They went from eight to six. I think that's what they did with this to do the extreme and then kind of kick it up a notch afterwards rather than just go down a notch and see if it worked. So I, I can't really complain with the strategy. It just annoyed me in the beginning. Now I'm fine with it because it makes more sense. Boom. So next up, we've got the lightning, which had its radius buffed from three to 3.5. So this is a reversal, right? We saw this get reduced from 3.5 to three and now they're reverting it back. Boom it or move it. Uh, I hesitate to even say this, but I think I'm also gonna have to boom it. Yeah? Yeah, I don't really want to because I just, dude, nothing, nothing other than, I, I mean, I, I really can't think of anything. Nothing scares me more than when I hear the elixir noise go off and I'm like, there's a lightning coming and you just know it. Like you feel it in your soul. It's ridiculous. It's a terrible feeling. You know what I'm talking about. I bet you the majority of people listening know what I'm talking about. And then it just takes your stuff out. I think that this card has not been used nearly as much as it should considering how much damage it does. But I do think that the 0.5 is going to help kind of put its place back in the arena, kind of throw it back up on the shelf. I don't know if 3.5 is enough, but I'll take it. Dude, if this thing has a wider radius than 3.5, you won't be able to place anything anywhere <laughs> and be out of its range. I'm not saying that it should be 5. I'm just saying that I'm not sure if 3.5 is enough. And I think they might not necessarily be sure either because they didn't go from 3 to 4. They did 3 to 3.5. Well, that's because it was previously 3.5 and then it went to 3. So I think this time, I think... I'm going to hard disagree with you on this one, dude. What? No way. My brother never disagrees with me. Where's Joe? Bring him back. Get Jungle Joe in here. <laughs> so so here's what I think about this change. I think that the lightning is a good card. I, I, I do think that it was being overpowered by poison, right? I don't think people were using it. I think poison was being used, and I think um, the rocket was being used. Why use the lightning? Um, I think what this change is going to do is going to bring back hog rider lightning decks which mm, yep. doesn't allow any building placement to be safe from the lightning in order to pull the hog you have to put the building in certain tiles and that makes it or forces it to be in range of a lightning um so that combination is just deadly and you know that was an overabundance of the meta previously and this change kind of helped reduce that i think this change also makes golem decks super dominant you know i guess i'm i don't like the change because i don't like what the meta used to be when this thing was used so much but i understand why they did it because it was it literally had no place in the meta um right. it's just my fear is with this change going back to the way that it was that it's just going to come right back and take over again whereas maybe a different kind of a buff would have allowed it to come back but just not dominate so you know i've been seeing it being used a lot more than we have in the past, but you know, it's just not my favorite one. I I I, I can sense that from you, and I, I appreciate the candidness here. 
So the tornado had its duration decreased from 2.5 seconds to 2 seconds, but its damage per second was increased by 21%, resulting in a total damage decrease of 3%. Boom it or move it. So I'm definitely going to boom this one. So this is clearly a buff and a nerf, but it's overall a nerf. This thing now does three less percent damage in total, but the buff comes in the fact that it does more damage per second. So it can kill little dudes like the bats or the skeletons in just two ticks instead of three ticks. So that's cool, right? Because it can kill them faster. But one problem with that is that it doesn't last as long. And one of the goals with the tornado is to pull in everything really close together. So the longer it lasted, the more you can pull in troops together and really pack a punch with, say, an executioner or um, pull a balloon much further away from the tower um, so that you can kill it. Pros were able to use this card in such a way that it was almost impossible to get to their tower. So hopefully this change allows them to get a little bit less value out of it and a little bit less control, especially when big pushes are, are being made. You speak so eloquently sometimes, I forget what you're even talking about. Um, so I'm not sure if, <laughs> I'm not sure if that was a compliment or a good thing. if that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's a good thing and a bad thing, I guess. It's kind of like the tornado buff nerf. <laughs> it's exactly like that. Perfect. All right, next up, you ready? Oh, I'm ready. The magic archer now hits moving targets better <laughs> boom it or move it so uh boom it yeah i mean i guess how could you not boom this one the card was literally unplayable if there was like a tombstone or a goblin hut blade yeah i, I mean anything to make the card be the card that it's supposed to be i think is an automatic boom an auto boom if you will auto boom it's kind of like auto tune for your boom it's exactly that i don't think we have to say much more about that I don't think so either. Um, all right. How do you feel about this one? This is the last one. Okay. All spells, except for the Goblin Barrel, can now be played on the river. Boom it or move it. Boom, boom, ba-boom, boom, boom. Tell me why this wasn't allowed previously. Like, why was I prevented from throwing my fireball on the river? Why were you not able to throw your tornado on the river? That's what I'm saying. I mean, <laughs> I can throw my fireball in the back corner of the map where your opponent's troops can never get to. Right. But I can't throw it onto the river where certain troops might be touching if they're on the outskirts of it. Yeah, I, honestly, I, I, I agree with you. I think that this change is going to be bigger than we think it's going to be because most players had to figure out a way to play around the fact that they couldn't throw spells on the river. And I think that this change allows you to really just hone in on what you were originally supposed to be able to do, which is calculate the fact that there's a river in the way. Right. And, and, and I think that here's my, my biggest issue with this was like if I had a fireball and there were air troops that were coming over the river, right? I would try to put my fireball directly on them where they were, right? Mm-hmm. But my problem was it would get moved and sometimes it would get moved above the river and I would miss them with my fireball. Now I don't have to worry about that. I can land it right on the river where I intend to and I don't have to worry about anything like that. It's beautiful. Yeah, no, I agree. Are we done? Oh, we're done. Yeah. That was the longest boom it or move it in history. 
but totally worth it. Let's give it a grade. What are you giving it? Well, I mean, didn't we just give like everything a boom except for my weird split move boom? Yeah, I think I may have given one one move too. So safe to say, I think this was a quality A set of balance changes. Oh, this this was a this was a high A. This was like ninety six. Yeah, like you know how orange juice says like you know come back for some more quality OJ. <laughs> yeah, this was like some quality balance Che. This <laughs> this was quality OJ. Quality OJ. <laughs> quality OJ. This is uh no pulp, not from concentrate. Freshly squeezed from a juicer. Boom. All right, dude. So it's time for our meta check. Meta check. And as always, our boy Lloyd Christmas, Sir Devin, comes to us with another amazing meta check. And I'm so excited to hear what Devin has to say. That's right, man. So Lloyd Christmas, our boy Devin hit us with the numbers and here's what they say. Let's start off with the fireball. Dude, the fireball had a strong surge over the past month to the top of the high damage spells at 44%. In fact, the fireball has had a higher use rate than the poison, the rocket, and the lightning combined. Poison has been the popular choice of the pros, but given this recent lopsided use at 44% versus 17% for the poison, we could be seeing a shift back to the versatile rare card as opposed to the epic. And oh, by the way, the lightning just saw its first appearance at the top of the ladder since the last two months. Who knows, man, with the balance changes that we just talked about, I expect that number to skyrocket, and the lightning itself is going to be a huge, huge card in the meta at the top of the ladder. I completely agree. I, I can't wait for that to be a number that we talk about. Totally agree. Next up, let's talk about beatdown style decks. If you're a fan of these guys, the giant may be the way to go. In fact, no other tank has shown use rates anywhere near the giant over the last month. While the giant was at 24%, the next closest was the Lava Hound at the top of the ladder at half of that, sitting at 12%. After that is the Golem, then Big Mama Pekka, the Royal Giant, which I don't know why we talk about that much, and the Mega Knight. Now, with the buff to Lightning, you may see Giants and Golems used more. And with Giants and Golems used more, you will also probably see a huge uptick in the use rates of Big Mama Pekka. Ooh, yeah. This is going to be a very, very, very big smack in the face to the meta. And I can't wait to see how it pans out. I'm really shocked that the Lava Hound beat the Golem. You see, I'm not, because if Golem is being used, the counter to Golem, which is developed in the back behind the King Tower, is a quick tank giant push. So if giants can't if if giants are being used in the meta, golems will get destroyed, especially by the pros. You know, you and me might be able to exchange battles. You know, mm-hmm. It could go either way, but pros take advantage of golem beatdown with giant beatdown because it's just a faster pace of play and you can make your opponent really get punished by putting the golem in the back. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't really think of it like that. I guess the thing we have to remember is that these are the metas at the tippy-tippy top of the ladder. So it just makes more sense with how they play. I do frequently forget that. So yeah, thank you for the reminder. Boom. Now, Rob, you may be thinking right now, I think you left a card out of the tanks. I am thinking exactly that. And you'd be right. Because the Ice Golem 
didn't make it onto that list just because of the sheer number of HP that it possesses. But let me give you a quick comparison. If we're talking about all tanks, Ice Golem included, the Ice Golem's use rate was a whopping 38%. Oof. In fact, the Ice Golem checks in tied for the number two troop used in the entire game, which is full right now of heavy meta Dark Prince decks. But with the balance changes, that will surely change. So what else does Devin got? Dude, the number one troop this period. You may have guessed it, but you probably wouldn't have. Do I need a drum roll? Let's do it. The Mega Minion. <laughs> Dude, the Mega Minion maintains a very strong showing at the top of the leaderboard, showing up at 46%. What? That means just about every other deck used by the pros is going to have this defensive specialist included. And while it's a defensive specialist, it packs a severe counter push punch. At only three cost and being rare, the Mega Minion might be the most valuable troop in your deck after the win condition. Yeah, dude, have you ever seen a Mega Minion on a tower? That thing eats the tower. Melts it, absolutely destroys it. Totally. So what, 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 what else is up? Anything else? Last, but certainly not least, just want to mention that the Zap has basically run away as the most widespread used spell, or card for that matter, in the game. In fact, the Zap has outperformed its two cost alternative, which is the Log, with a 73% use rate this period. Wow. That is double what the Log has had the last two months. The Log was once the most used card in the game, but that title now firmly belongs to the Zap. I, f I, I believe it, I feel it, I see it in my dreams. Zippity zap, don't, don't talk, talk back. Wow, my arm is like a python, just keep snapping at you. <laughs> All right, well, that was it. That's the meta check. That was great. As always, thank you, Devin, for sending in. It, our show would not be what it is without that meta check, comfortably sandwiched in this episode. Boom. Tonight, we are sponsored by Audible. Rob, audiobooks are a great sidekick for summer activities like hiking, running, road tripping, and much, much more. Listening is a better way to binge content that you love while doing the things that you love. That's right, man. And Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet, which lets you fill your summer with more stories like Harry Potter, which I downloaded. And dude, let me tell you, there is nothing like listening to a book series that you love and hearing the way it's supposed to be read as opposed to using your imagination and just reading it. And Audible members get a credit every month good for any audiobook in their store, regardless of the price, and unused credits roll over to the next month. Didn't like your audiobook? You can exchange it, no questions asked. That's right, Rob. Plus, your books are yours to keep. With Audible, you can go back and re-listen anytime, even if you cancel your membership. And what's even cooler is that our listeners can now get a free 30-day trial and their first audiobook is free. So go to audible.com slash cast or text cast to 500-500. That's audible.com slash C-A-S-T or text C-A-S-T to 500-500. You can do it with audiobooks. Thanks a lot to Audible for sponsoring our show. So... Let's get into the meat and potatoes of the episode. Are you ready? Let's get down to the nitty gritty. We got our game update. Yeah, we did. Clan Wars is here. Is it Clan Wars are here? What would you actually say in this situation? I think you'd say 
clan wars is here. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think we're all grammatically incorrect. No, you we're definitely incorrect. Right. Pluralized things should have R after them, right? Like clan wars are here, but it's more just like right. this is just it. It is clan wars. Exactly. Like you wouldn't say they is. That sounds weird. Right. But clan wars is here. It is here. And I apologize for digressing. But dude, this game update, first of all, before we go into it, how do you feel? First impressions, it's been out for a day or two. How do you feel about it? First impression, absolutely love it. I love the fact that above anything else, it increased community engagement, clan participation, and overall mood of the game. You saw it on Twitter. You saw it on Reddit. You saw it literally everywhere you looked, whether it was in your clan chat or, or otherwise. I do think that certain people are critical about certain things in the update. You know, you can't please everyone. I think they're looking for more. But this was a huge, huge step in the right direction for this game for the casual players, the people like you and I who aren't good enough to be competitive and can now have something to look forward to every other day or every so often in order to change up what to look forward to within the game. I agree with that uh, wholeheartedly. And the one thing that I will say is I now totally understand why it took them so long to get this right and to get this out the door. This is hands down, in my personal opinion, it's okay to have your own opinion if you don't want to agree, I think that this is the most complex feature they've ever put into the game. I think it's slightly complicated, although once you figure it out, it's really not that bad. I think that it does have a slightly steeper learning curve than most things that are added to this game. But I think the, the fact is, it's forcing everybody to talk about it. And it's making people interact and learn from each other, which is one of the biggest draws to any social platform, really. I mean, this is a social kind of game, and this feature is as social as you can get, to the point where they changed the clan tab name to social. It no longer says clan. Which is amazing. But but I, I, I do just want to take a step back and touch on something that you just said. This does have a steeper learning curve. When you open the game the day after the update, it was confusing, right? But let me ask you a question. When was the last time you opened up the game and felt like you had to figure something out? When was the last time you opened up the game and said, let me explore what's out there? When was the last time you opened the game and were intrigued to figure out what they did? You really want to know when? Yes. I only remember this because it was two days before my birthday, January 4th, 2016. Oh my gosh, that long? The last time I remember having to go into this game to really figure something out was the first time I opened it. That was when the game released. And you know what's crazy about that, man? What they did with this update was so different than any other update that they've ever put in the game. They didn't have crazy sneak peeks where they showed you everything on YouTube beforehand and someone explained how it worked and they they spoon-fed you the information. And it got to the point Mm -hmm. where at the end of the day, you opened up the app and you knew, you knew everything that was there. It took the fun out of it. It took the surprise out of it. This creates a learning curve. Like you said, it creates chatter within the community. Everyone's kind of figuring it out as they go. And as they figure it out, they let everyone else know. And it's just a constant snowball effect, right? And that creates hype. Whereas 
how they used to do it, how they, you know, used to release it early and show everybody everything. It creates hype for a day or two until people see it. Then when you open it up, it's like, eh, well, I've seen this already. It's kind of cool, I guess. Right. <laughs> no, I, I agree. And it seems like, at least uh, from our community's perspective, everybody really likes it. You know, I, I, I totally agree. Like, like I said, you're not going to be able to please everybody. And I don't think that's ever their intentions, right? But a lot of people agree that this is this brought back a revitalization that this game needed and for the longevity of the game this is what it needed yeah so we're gonna actually talk about clan wars at the end of this discussion i think it's important that we kind of get through some of the other stuff that was built into the update so apparently we have a new card coming in may and the only teaser note that we have is watch your step when walking in the woods near royal arena so i assume that royal arena is going to be where this card gets released but what would that even mean (laughs) i don't i really don't know and why would they mention the woods and walking right so does that mean that it's a ground type troop like maybe it's a trap of some sort hmm that's actually a really good hypothesis i was originally going to say maybe it's like a like a like a forest creature type of thing like a fairy you know but now that you said that it's walking fairies with theoretically fly most of the time i guess right well that would make sense but yeah i mean they say watch your step while walking near the woods and you know sometimes you put traps near woods so that people don't see them oh yeah man i think you're right if this were boom it or move it on your idea i would say boom four times in a row <laughs> well thank you <laughs> i appreciate you're welcome. it i definitely think that there's a trap coming and i'm so excited about it um other improvements include you can now mute people permanently yes this is pretty cool right you can toggle it on and off now so if you're in a game and you mute somebody well it'll stay muted until you go back in and unmute it so you know i guess in theory if you forget that you muted somebody (laughs) you have someone that's bming you and you mute them you could forget that you've muted people and um you know never see emotes again but if you want to turn it back on just go in click the little toggle and it's back which is pretty cool I agree. And I also like that they didn't make this like a, a system level type of thing. Like you don't have to go into settings and turn it on and off. Like it's it's just based on what you already have selected within the current battle. Uh, I don't know if I personally will forget because when you tap when you tap the mute button and you switch it, it, it shows you the icon that someone is muted. Right. So you'd have to cover it with your thumb to really miss it, I guess. But who knows? I guess people forget a bunch of things. I do like this change, though. I think it needed to be like this from the beginning, and we've kind of been begging for that. It almost took maybe a year to get this to happen. Yeah, no, no, I agree. But dude, spectators can now emote also. And, and when you're in a game, you see who has spectators. Are they on the blue side or the red side? You see it now, which is so awesome. I love this feature. Now, the only way that you used to be able to tell whether somebody is on your side, I'll say, is if they happen to throw your color confetti, right? But you could have someone on your side that's throwing confetti for the other person or vice versa. Now, having it color coordinated makes it very clear. And I do like it. Like, I, I, I kind of feel that competitiveness uh, and the perceived pressure now when you're playing in a game that has that. However, I will say, I do love the fact that you can emote when you are in a game. I don't necessarily know if the emotes are appropriate. I'm not following you. Okay, and that's fair. And I don't know if appropriate is really the right word. I don't know when there will ever be a situation where 
I show an angry face cheering for my teammate or where I'm going to laugh at someone. I don't know. I I don't necessarily know that the emotes that I would use in a game should be the same as spectating the game. Like I would like to be like cheering on and like clapping and, you know, saying good job, like things that like really help amplify the experience. And all I feel like most people do are just laugh, cry and give thumbs up. Yeah, no, that's really funny that you mentioned that now. Like I now with this new spectator mode, I feel more when I'm watching someone like I feel more like a cheerleader on their behalf. It feels more like I'm entwined in the game like they can really feel what i'm feeling yeah but you're right like i wish like i i i no one can see me right now but like an emote where the king has his like arm in the air both arms in the air like he's happy or you know i don't i don't really know but i agree with you now that you say that that makes total sense to me i'm glad i explained it appropriately because netsy now appropriate is the right word right but um now that they're in the game I, you know, again, you and I literally know absolutely nothing about game development. So we don't know how hard it is to actually put different emotes in the game. Like, can you just replace the emotes? Like now that they're in there, can they just like quickly swap them out if they feel like there's better ones or more appropriate ones to be out there? Um, maybe. And that being said, I mean, I remember a long time ago where Supercell kind of said that they were looking about, you know, for new ways to either implement, um, new emotes or find new ways to get emotes, right? And mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember this, but pretty recently on News Royale, Clash Royale featured that claymation guy, Clay Claim, and it was like the 10 or 11 emotes that are missing from Clash Royale. And there was a guy that was like right. dabbing and like a guy that has head exploding <laughs> and like all these other things. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Yeah, dude, I, I would love to see that because like I said, I just don't feel like the four currently do it justice for what the point of spectating is. But anyway, it doesn't really matter, I guess. Another cool change is the fact that players that leave a 2v2 match will now have to wait before being able to play again. And I think this is a beautiful change. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's one game, although I haven't tried this out myself. I think it's two games in a row. Um, it'll kind of like ban you, you know, temporary ban you from playing another match for an hour. And you'll see like a countdown appear on the screen, which is really awesome. Definitely necessary. And um, very, very happy that this is in. Right. And this seems to only apply to quick matches, not matches that you team up with your friends with. Agreed. Because, you know, I mean, I guess I would, you know, 2v2 with you and then leave on purpose. But, you know, you <laughs> maybe, wouldn't expect maybe. normal people to do that. Yeah, that's that's Jungle Joe's style. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. And speaking of 2v2, uh, you can now tap on your teammate's name at the bottom right to see their cards, which now toggles on and off. You don't actually have to like hold their name in order to see their cards. Um, yeah. Which is pretty cool because like before you had to like hold their name to see their cards, but then, I mean, it's kind of hard to like hold their name <laughs> with one thumb and then like try and play with the other thumb while like, you're playing. Yeah. It's like prohibits you from doing stuff. So this is pretty cool. Yeah. Quality of life improvements. That's what these are. Boom. Mm-hmm. And now you can share your battle deck to your clan, something that we have been asking for since forever. Honestly, it feels like. Yeah, which is really cool. And that works for regular decks that you have, um, which are like call it your ladder decks. But uh, it also works with your war deck, which is awesome. Yeah. And I really like the interface, the way that it looks in the game. Um, and if you do share a war deck, it's purple, like the theme of clan wars. Which makes sense, right? Like they have to differentiate it somehow. That way the person who's copying it knows what it's for. I like it. Well, let me let me let me give you a little quiz. Are you ready? Do you know what the color purple actually means and what it's used for? What? Like what the color purple symbolizes. Let me let me put it like that. Healing. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's what you, out of all of the things on the planet and in the known universe, that's what you landed on? Purple means healing? Blueberry toaster strudels. It could be that. Maybe. I, I like blueberry toaster strudels. I like blueberry Pop-Tarts more, but purple symbolizes the color of royalty. Ah, I did not know that. Well, now you know. And the more you know, the more equipped you are to handle things in life. Right. That's Nostrarabus 101. Boom. Talk about another quality of life improvement. We can now sort our cards by rarity descending. So this is different from regular rarity, right? It's literally the exact opposite. So instead of like commons being up front and legendaries being at the bottom, it's the opposite. Legendaries are up top, commons are at the bottom. I switched my order as soon as I found out that this was an option. Yeah, you see, I didn't. I don't know. Like, I don't know why, but I just prefer to look at things by elixir because I know what all of the elixir costs are. So I don't know. I just use that one more often, but I don't know. Maybe I'll switch it and I'll fall in love with it. Who knows? Maybe. I'm starting to treat my card collection like a trophy room. (laughs) So you want the best ones (laughs) up top. Right. And also maybe one day, hey, Supercell, here's my letter to you. Feature request. Simple, I think. Can you maybe take the new cards that are going to be released that are maybe grayed out at the bottom of the list and move them up to the top of the list so we don't have to scroll all the way down to see what's coming? I'd agree with that. Yeah, it's probably that would probably be a good quality of life. Anyway, uh, last improvement is the Supercell ID was added to the game. Sort of. It's rolling out to other countries. They started with two. They're going to work their way through for the rest of the week. Uh, but the Supercell ID is cool because it allows you to Kind of safeguard your account. You can log in and hook your other Supercell games like Clash of Clans, Boom Beach, Heyday. They really only have those four games. So you can hook all of those games up to your account. And then when you sign in, it's like logging in with Facebook, right? Like all your stuff is saved in their cloud servers. You can log in. All your stuff comes down onto your devices. I really think that this is going to be a lot easier than the stuff that they've been using. I mean, think of think of Hearthstone, right? They have a Blizzard ID. They have a Battle.net account. It's the same kind of thing. Yeah, and no, I, I agree. I think this is a good move, right? This allows people to not have to worry so much about their devices and, you know, using their Apple login, all that other stuff, right? You just log into your ID within Supercell, and boom, everything is saved. That is awesome. And it's so easy to do. Yes. And the interface is very futuristic. I actually very much like it because I like the way that things are designed. That's it's kind of my weird thing. I like it. Mm-hmm. And the last two big changes, the first of which is the fortune chest now contains two or more fortune cards that are being shown in your list instead of one. I still don't know if this chest is worth 750 gems, but definitely a step in the right direction. And the last quality of life improvement was also to the shop. And that was that arena value packs were revamped to include the new shop chests like the lightning chest, king's chest and the legendary king's chest. So pretty cool stuff. Boom. All right. Dude, we made it. We're here. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. The moment we've all been waiting for. Clan Wars! Clan Wars. Dude, tell me everything that we've learned about Clan Wars. So, Clan Wars is a wonderfully social way for clans to battle other clans. Now, we weren't really sure how this was going to work. It was kind of kept behind the curtains, but now. We have a full feel for how this feature works. So if you are a clan leader or a co-leader, you have the ability to start a clan war. Once the clan war starts, it is broken up into two separate parts that is across two separate days. So the first day 
is the collection day. On that collection day, you now have 24 hours to play up to three games. And during those three matches on a special kind of combo map of every other arena in the game, which I think is very cool, you do your three games. And if you win, you get a ton of cards. But if you don't win, you still get cards, but you don't get nearly as much. And the goal is to quote unquote unlock cards for your clan to be able to choose from in a pool of cards when it comes time for War Day. On War Day, you have another 24 hours for everybody that already participated to battle it out with one final battle. And you're technically, as a clan, going up against four other clans. And you have this cool, cute little island on the bottom. You can see everybody's boats. Now we know what the boats mean, right? Um, And based on a combination of clan trophies and clan crowns, it determines your rank among the five clans total. Is that generally the gist of how it works? Yeah, no, that's exactly how it works. And and there's little nuances, right? Based on how the clan does, you get... A chest, like you had mentioned, right? Like you can get, you know, first through fifth. But what's even cooler is that depending on how you do, you get trophies. And the more trophies you get, it's like a separate ladder in and of itself. The clan itself can kind of grow and get bigger and better. And the rewards that you get from War Day can be bigger and better. Um, And, you know, this is clearly how Supercell decided that they were going to get rid of their clan chests and instead supplement it with different chests and those different chests are from the war battles where the clan can earn based on a one through five placement right and the higher you climb with trophies the better the chests are right and now that we actually see this feature in action after replacing the clan chest it's clear why they made that caveat that at first it may seem like you're not going to get a lot of rewards compared to a clan chest but dude if you look at the rewards for the final war chest those chests are Beast. Oh, it's huge, dude. And I think the thing that people don't realize, you know, um, Clash with Ash did a really good video explaining the difference between clan chest versus like war chests, right? Um, and the way that I'll ultimately describe it, I mean, go watch the video because it's awesome. But the way that I'll ultimately describe it is that if the clan participates less, then the chest itself is actually worse than the clan chest would have been. Right. But if the clan collectively participates more, it progressively gets better and then far, way beyond exceeds what you used to get from the clan chest. And I think that that's so cool because it, it basically encourages more active full clan participation um, as opposed to, you know, five people carrying a clan. But what's really cool about this, this whole thing is that it's phased. It's collection day, then it's war day, and then you kind of see where you're at. And if you don't participate in the collection day, then you can't participate in the war day. And one thing that I think was a misnomer at first, people didn't really understand, I didn't personally, was that I thought that, you know, there's five clans that are around the little island. I thought that you played against people from those clans, but actually it turns out that you don't. You play against any person that's around your trophy level in any clan participating in clan wars. Ah. It's just who can get more wins in their final battle amongst the five clans that you're battling against. I did not realize that. I feel like I'm consistent. This, this update is like an onion. This feature is an onion. I feel like you pull back the layers 
and there's just more in there. I just learned, I didn't even know that. Yeah, dude, and it's so awesome. And, and like you said, you peel back the onion, you find more. And there's stuff that I don't, I still don't even understand about this, and it'll kind of keep coming out as we go. But another thing that I found interesting is that on collection day, every single game mode uses your ladder card levels, except for the draft challenge, which is tourney capped. Right. When you eventually have your pool of cards that you can pick from for war day, the thing that I find interesting is that just because the card level in your clan is four for an epic doesn't mean that you'll play with a level four epic. On war day, the card levels that you use are the lower of your own card levels or the clan level. Wow. I, uh, I didn't know that it was an either or situation. I thought it was always based on your card levels. You learn something new every day. Every day. So the one thing I'm confused about, maybe you can answer this for me. How often can you start these? Like the clan chest would only be around once a week, right? It was on the weekend. So how often can you do these? To be honest, at the time of this recording, we've only had the update for two days. So I I don't know. I I hope that you can do it every other day. Like as soon as one's over, you can just start a new one. That would be fantastic. Um, That would be cool. You know, I I think the, the, the seasons are really two weeks long, but for the first season, they made it a week long. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't know, but at the time of this recording, all I can do is hope that you can play it all the time. Yeah. I, I actually think that is, this could be really fun because you can organize with your clan, especially in our discord. We can tell our, our clan mates that, Hey, we're going to put together a clan war. We need everybody to be ready for the next two days because like you said, it's based on clan participation and it forces everybody to really work together and t- play test decks, share decks and strategies. And it's a great way to get everybody better. So I'm really excited to see how this feature unfolds and what else they add to it. Um, Right now, it seems like it's a lot. Like there's a lot to do. There's a lot to learn. There's definitely a a pretty steep learning curve. But I think hopefully it's going to be a lot easier for us to talk about in the future. Agreed. And one thing I will point out, you know how every season you get put in a league Mm -hmm. and you get the chest of the highest league that you made it to? within that season regardless if you fall and lose trophies you still get the highest chest that you made it to right you're sort of locked in right clan wars is very similar if you're in a clan that you know has a chest that is silver or gold and you leave that clan within the season to go to you know your friend's clan to help them out but they have like a bronze clan right yep the chest that you get at the end of the season is still the gold chest from your original clan for that season. Ah. So long as you participated in that clan's war, you've achieved the higher level already. So um, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Um, And then one thing that I just wanted to point out before we move on to the next section is the clan wars unlocks for everybody when they get their king level to level eight. But one of the things I've noticed is that if you have people in your clan that are not level eight, so seven or less, it lists them in the same list as people who are quote unquote not participating, making it seem like it's a choice. And I don't necessarily agree with that. And I think that that kind of throws off if you're going to use this in terms of clan participation or measuring activity levels. I definitely think that there should be a tweak to that to make it so that if people are under level eight, they are either not included in that list or they're included in the list, but then separated out so you can see that they are unable to participate. 
Yeah, no, I agree, right? Like, you can mistakenly think someone's just not actively participating in the clan when in reality they just don't have the the opportunity to, and then maybe they accidentally get kicked or something, and, you know, it's just not too cool. But, you know, I, I, I agree with you. Cool. Well, we agree on something. Boom. And that's it, man. Clan Wars in a nutshell. That's like the Cliff Notes version of Clan Wars. What, what would you grade it in terms of an update? Oh, I would absolutely give this a solid A. This is, for me, the best update that the game has had since it started. I would give this an A+. Well, that's what I would do, too, then. Yeah, I would give it an A+. I wouldn't say it's perfect, because an A+, encompasses more than one number. I, th- I would give this, like, a 98. Yeah. That's definitely an A+, but there's still room to improve there, right? There's a couple of things that they could tweak, and obviously they're going to build on this. But, dude, this was, like, hands down, hats off to Supercell. Couldn't agree more. Tonight, we are sponsored by Squarespace. Joe, some of our listeners might be wondering how they can turn their passion project into a new website. Well, with Squarespace, you have all the tools at your disposal, which allow anyone to showcase their work. Whether it's a blog, whether they want to publish content, sell products or services of all kinds, Squarespace lets you do it. Squarespace offers beautiful templates created by world-class designers, powerful e-commerce functionality that lets you sell anything online. Everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box. Plus, it gives you analytics that help you grow in real time. And with its 24-7 award-winning customer support, you'll never be stuck with a problem unsolved. That's right, Rob. And with Squarespace, you can make it yourself. Easily create a website all by yourself. It has the simplest controls and nothing to patch or upgrade ever. And now our listeners can go to squarespace.com cast for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code CAST to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. So once again, that's squarespace.com slash C-A-S-T. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code C-A-S-T. Thanks a lot to Squarespace for sponsoring our show. So let's move on to our deck spotlight. Deck spotlight. And this deck is called Ride the Lightning. And for just that reason, you will destroy towers with two of the cards that are in this deck. It's a 3.4 average elixir cost deck, and it contains, you guessed it, the Hog Rider, the Lightning, the Guards, the Ice Golem, the Mini Pekka, the Princess, the Log, and the Dark Goblin. So Joe, show me how to ride the lightning. So, dude, given that we had so much stuff to talk about, we are going to do an abridged version of the deck spotlight. Agreed. A very detailed written explanation will be included in the show notes, so be sure to check that out. The ultimate way to play this deck is to use the princess when all else fails behind the back of the king tower. You're going to want to use the mini P.E.K.K.A., the dark goblin, and the ice golem to defend. Big pushes contain the Ice Golem with the Hog Rider, supplemented or coupled with the Lightning. Because as we just mentioned earlier in the episode, because of the 0.5 increase to its radius, there is no good placement for any building to pull it in and be safe. Also allows it to really, really get that extra value if you can add or throw in a troop when you're hitting with three different bolts of lightning. Boom. The guards play a very, very active role in this deck. The guards have the perfect ability to distract big tanky troops, and then you use the mini P.E.K.K.A. to melt the big troop and clear the path for your hog rider yet again. 
The Dark Goblin with its most recent buff does so much damage, and this should be used when your opponent is going on his attack. Defend with the Dark Goblin and make sure you use the Ice Golem with it to keep it alive. If your opponent uses arrows or a log on your Dark Goblin, well, have no fear. You've got a princess. The key with this deck is making sure you get good value with your three cost troops. The princess and the dark goblin can never be grouped up. You have to use their range appropriately. Make sure that they are not next to each other. Do not allow your opponent to get value spells with them and you're going to be just fine. This deck shines, absolutely positively shines in double elixir time. You can use the hog rider, you can use the lightning, and you can cycle back for pretty cheap costs to get back to it. If your opponent doesn't have a building or any big troops that are stopping your hog rider, that's what the log comes in. The log just allows the hog rider to get that one extra second, allow it to get to the tower past its, its defending troop, and really get a couple extra hits on the tower, which is all it needs every time it goes on an offensive push. Dude, you went through that like lightning. Dude, abridged version, still detailed, cliff notes. <laughs> I went through that as fast as this deck cycles. Boom. Joe feels really bad when we have to go through deck spotlights so quickly. I know it kills him in his heart to have to tell everybody that he can't go through it in super, super great detail. I know. It's like I want to give everybody all the detail about all the different strategies and stuff like that. So I try to do it all in the same amount of time, just much quicker. I'm sure I missed a bunch of stuff, but try the deck out. It will take a little bit of a learning curve because it's not a commonly used type deck right now. But mark my words, this will be a deck used in the meta. And a successful one at that, so long as you can place your troops apart from one another and use them effectively to then supplement the Hog Rider push. Bada bada. Boom. Boom. Nice. All right. Well, uh, again, no reviews. Website's still down. Thank you to everyone that sends us reviews. As we always say, it's the number one way you can help us reach more people. So keep doing that. Um, but we did get a new patron. New patron. Jason D. Dude, thank you so much for donating your hard-earned money to our show for helping support everything that we do. As we always say, you and the rest of our patrons are the backbone of how we get stuff done around here at Cast Royale. So truly, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you, thank you, thank you. Boom. Boom. And that's it, man. Clan Wars, in the books, on a boat, out to sea. We are done. I really don't have anything else other than to say, if you would like to reach out to us, you can send us an email at feedback at castroyalepodcast.com. And if you'd like to reach out to us on Twitter, you can do so by using the handle at podcastroyale. And as always, please join our Discord at castroyalepodcast.com slash Discord. It is the way to communicate with us and find out when we do our clan refreshes. And if you'd like to meet some of the community members, you can do that as well. And we've got some other links in the show notes, but... Another big thanks to CLNS Media for hosting our show on their website. If you'd like to check out the archives, most recent episode, and others, you can check them out there. And last but not least, a huge thank you to our two sponsors tonight, Squarespace and Audible. And now, I'm really done. Totally done. 100% Clan War out. I'm Clan War out. <laughs> That's how Arnold would say it. I'm Clan War out. Clan War out. Ah. Get to the chopper. <laughs> Get out of here. Ah, well, hope that put a nice big bow on this episode for everybody. Until next time, you have time, to say we it like Arnold. I have to say it like Arnold. Yeah, like you have to say this part like Arnold. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? I don't know if I don't know if you're ready for this and I definitely know that I'm not ready for this. That's all we need to know. Okay.
Until next time for another hodgepodge <laughs> of everything. <laughs> that was incredible. <laughs> Thank you. Hodgepodge of everything. Boom. Boom. Bye. Bye. Bye.